This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. I'd like to call your attention to Matthew 28, verse 16 through 20. And when you find them, please stand. But you know the strangest thing. I, oh, I'm sorry. All through the winter, when I'm hunting or whatever, I'm wet, I'm cold, I don't get sick. But when it comes summertime, I get sick. Is that kind of, you know? But anyway. <laughs> Verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into the mountain, which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubt. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in the heavens and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of age. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we come before your throne of grace, seeking help in time of need. Lord, uh, I ask that you enable me to speak and deliver your word. Father, I ask that you grant clarity and accuracy. And as always, we pray that you open all of our ears to hear. Lord, we desire to hear with the heart, to be changed by Your truth. Lord, we're thankful for the privilege of being able to study Your Word. And this morning, um, the privilege of being able to uh, complete today a study in the book of Matthew. Lord, how... How blessed we are to have these accounts, your own testimony of your works, of your power, of your authority. And we thank you, Lord, for teaching us, giving to us your own spirit, enlightening our minds, opening up our hearts. And we pray, Lord, uh, that again, that will even be the case today. And Lord, that it will all result in our drawing closer to You, knowing more the reality of Your presence within us, appreciating more all that You have done in our behalf. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> well, um, we are here at the end of uh, Matthew's account <laughs> of the gospel. So uh, it's, it's, it's been a blessing. I hope it's been a blessing for y'all. It's been a blessing for me. And uh, Lord willing, um, as far as I know, we'll, we'll finish it up tonight. Um, we're looking at the last few verses this morning, um, but I, I want to come back to, to part of this tonight. And I'm just looking here um, out of curiosity. <clears throat> we, started, we started Matthew in October of 2010. October... The third, 2010. So uh, we've been speeding right along, making. <laughs> but isn't it amazing? You know, we we could uh, we could spend ten years in it, and we would not exhaust it for all that's there. I might exhaust you. I mean, you know, you might get tired of hearing me, but but we wouldn't exhaust uh, exhaust the word. Um, 
I try to take wise counsel. I remember reading one time, uh, you know, Martin Lloyd-Jones has, has been called the, the, by many the greatest preacher of the 20th century. He was pastor uh, of uh, Westminster uh, Chapel in London. Great expository preacher. And, uh, and God just granted, you know, power. And uh, he took, I believe it was, and this is just one example, but I believe he, he took eight years to go through Romans, the book of Romans, and that was preaching either two or three times a week. They had a couple of nights during the week. Uh, I think it was Friday. I think it was Friday and Sunday. And uh, anyway, eight years going through the book of Romans. And uh, I don't remember where I read it, or maybe it was a, a professor I heard say it one time, but he, wise counsel, he said, remember... You're not Martin Lloyd Jones, so <laughs> that's good advice. <laughs> All right, um, so uh, <laughs> it's usually my goal to try to try to keep a relatively good pace, but at the same time, we we want to get a good uh, get as much out of it as we can. So we're looking at the last few verses this morning, 16 through 20, coming to. Uh, to the end here of this gospel account, um, with what what we have come to call the Great Commission. This is this is Jesus doing what he said he was going to do. You know, the Father has sent me; now I send you. And so he's sending um, the eleven here on a mission. But I really I really think that this is applicable not just to the eleven, but but I think to to all Christians everywhere, because I believe this is how Christianity works. One telling another. That's how, that's how the gospel goes out. And I, I think you could make the case, just for example, um, you know, I've tried, I've tried to, I always try to stress how important context is. And so you may, you may look here and say, okay, you know, you've, you've told us before, it's important to, to, to look at who's speaking and who they're speaking to. Sometimes we get letters or bills in our mailbox that don't have my name on them. In fact, we had a really we had a real problem with that for a long time. The people had the same number, but it was a different street. Our address is 1259 Oliver. Well, we kept getting mail for 1259 Camp Zion Road instead of Oliver Road. So, you know. I would really have been distressed if I just tried to pay all those bills. I mean, but context helped me there because I looked and I saw that it was not addressed to me. I'm not sure why it didn't help the mail carrier, but um, uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not trying to be hard on them. But um, it, but that that makes a big difference, right? You get a letter and it's not addressed to you, then the content is not for you. And so you may be saying, you know, you, you, you've tried to stress that, and here Jesus is talking to the eleven. So why do we think this applies to us? And, and we could probably go through various reasons there. A couple I'm just going to give you here. One is because I don't think he's just talking to the eleven. I can't, I can't prove that. But um, I just think it's probable that there are more than the eleven here. Paul says over in Corinthians 15 that he appeared to over 500 and we're, we're told here in this passage um, that he sends for, or, or tells them rather, to, uh, to go tell the brothers to meet him in Galilee. Jesus said in, uh, in verse 10, Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Well, that's a term that Jesus would use about all believers. Here are my mother, brothers, and sisters, Jesus said. Right? Those who, those who believe on me. Those who do, do the will of God. So, I don't think that term is limited to the eleven. And uh, so, we are told definitely that the eleven are there. That is said in the passage that, that uh, David just read. But I think probably not just the eleven. But here's another thing also. That last phrase in verse 20. I am with you always to the end of the age. Or um, ages of the ages, literally. Well, I don't. I don't think he's talking to the eleven when they're not going to be around, but just a few more years. So, so he gives the commission and then says, 
I'm with you till the end of the age, to the ages of the ages. So it seems like to me he's, he's looking beyond the lives of these, these uh, eleven apostles and speaking to the church, all believers in all ages. Now, I want to stress this before we get into uh, um, talking about the commission itself. In fact, we're, we're just going to kind of talk about the, the, the character of it and, um, and what it is, what the emphasis is on here. So, the emphasis here is on making disciples. That's verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's where the emphasis lies on that. It's actually one word in the Greek. It's a phrase in uh, our English translation. Uh, the ESV says, go therefore and make disciples. There's the phrase. It's not, not teach. That's, that's a different word. Um, this is the word for disciple, and it's a verb. Deci- In fact, we, we do use it. I, I was reading, I was looking at a com- comment by uh, James Brodus. I believe he was one of the founders of Southern Seminary. Um, and he, he said that we, we really need an English word for this word. Because the, the, the term disciple is not used as a verb, it's just as an, a noun. Now, thankfully, at least my experience has been, now maybe this is just in church communication, but um, we, we do use it like that a lot in our day. Disciple, disciple, disciple. At least I do, and I hear other people doing it as well. So, so it seems like to me, people are, if they weren't doing it then, it seems, you know, Brodus lived... Um, before the uh, uh, in the late 1800s, I, forget, I don't remember when he died, but was, he was uh, teaching and all during the late 1800s. So before uh, it may have not have been in use then, but it seems like now it is. And people do speak of or use the word disciple as a verb pretty commonly, at least at least in theology, at least in church language, we do. And I point that out because I want you to understand that's, I'm going to be doing that as well. So when so you'll you'll hear me say that. Disciple, disciple, um, verb, meaning make disciples, make disciples, okay? And that's what we're commissioned to do, to disciple. And I, again, I think, I think this applies to every believer. When you, when you get over into the, uh, the, uh, the didactic passages of the, of the epistles, let's say, where, where Paul's instructing us on how to do church, he, he talks about the elder men teaching and he talks about elder women teaching younger women. He even talks about uh, parents you know, and grandparents teaching children. So Timothy learned the Word of God from his mother and his grandmother. So um, this is applicable to, to everybody. I mean, we, we don't want to think of it in terms of um, crusades, things of that nature. As a matter of fact... I don't think that's, well, I'm not going to say that's, that's I'm, I don't want to say that's not a legitimate application. I don't want to say that at all. But I just think that's probably not the norm. But yet, that's the way we, we think a lot of times when we think about evangelism. We think about revivalism, crusades, Billy Graham, that kind of thing. Where the norm is, that one Christian just helps another become a disciple of Jesus Christ through sharing their life. That is, that you get in their life and you get involved. And you get them in your life and get them involved. And you teach them about Jesus. And another thing I should say here, by the way, because I want to be clear on this too. Although we do teach, just like I'm teaching right now, we have other people that teach Sunday school classes and kids and so forth. And then some of you teach, maybe you don't teach uh, in a class in church, but you teach your kids at home or whatever it is, or you teach the you know, person sitting next to you at lunch at work or that kind of thing. Um, we all teach. We, we're, all, we're all in engaged in that. But I, but I want to be clear on this too. When he talks about making disciples, he's, he's not saying, you, Peter, you, John, 
go make you some disciples. And so now you've got disciples of Peter and disciples of John and disciples of Skip and disciples of Ron. No, that's not what he's saying. He's talking about making disciples of Jesus. Making more disciples of Him. So we do teach, but the goal is not so that I can have a school. You know, you know what I'm saying? I can have, I can have all these followers. I'm, I remember uh, uh, <laughs> R.F. Nancy Gates uh, one time, R.F. Gates' wife. A lot of you know R.F. knew R.F. Gates. And, and one time when... Uh, um, now, I, now, I did not come to the Lord through the ministry of R.F. Gates. I got to know R.F. Gates after I was saved. But I guess his wife mistakenly thought that. And one time we were talking somewhere and she said, uh, she introduced me to somebody, I don't remember who it was, and she said, this is one of R.F.'s converts. And R.F. was standing there, you know. And he said, oh my gosh, (laughs) if he's one of my converts, we're in trouble. (laughs) But, you know, um, she said, you know what I mean, or whatever. But, um, but we, we, that, of course, is, 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 is just, uh, she, just a way of phrasing something. But we can think that way. And, she, and I don't think at all she was really trying to suggest that. But we can think that way if we're not careful. And we see that in the book of Corinthians, don't we? Paul says, some of you say, I'm of Apollos. Some of you say, I'm of Paul. Some of you say, I'm of Jesus. No, if we're saved, we're all of Jesus. We're all disciples of Christ. So, so the, the goal is to make disciples of Christ. But we will, in doing that, have to teach them. So, so we, we do have to teach, but, but it's not so that we can have our own disciples. It's so that Christ has more disciples. We're going to help them do what we do. So, the emphasis here is on that one word, disciple. And remember, it's a verb. You, and it's plural. In the Greek, you, all of you, you all, you all make disciples, or you all disciple. It's a verb. You all disciple, disciple, disciple. Okay, so that's where the emphasis is. Why why am I, well, emphasizing that? (laughs) Because a lot of times we, we tend to put the emphasis elsewhere. And, and I'll show you that in a second, but uh, it's not all bad, but, but it's just um, probably needs a little slight correcting here, um, I think, just to help us understand what Jesus is saying. Um, because here's the deal. In that, in that commission that I just read, verse 19, there's only one verb, and it is, it is that verb, disciple, disciple. Now, the reason I'm pointing that out is because a lot of times we look at the English translation and they're probably all roughly the same here. Um, what's, what's the first word in verse 19? Go. What is go? It's a verb, right? In English, it's, it, it's translated with a, with a verb. Go. But it's a, it's a participle. Going. And there, there's one verb here, disciple. And there are three participles. Going. Baptizing. And teaching. Alright? Going, baptizing, and teaching disciple or make disciples. So those things are more, the going, the baptizing, and the teaching are more descriptive. I'll come back to that in a moment. But a lot of times we tend to put the emphasis on the word go. And like that's, I'm not, that's, that's, that's not totally bad. I mean, we need to, because we need to be reminded that we do need to go. And, and since Jesus does say going, or, or you might you could translate it as you're going, that presupposes that we're going to go, doesn't it? As you're going, make disciples. So, so it does require going. And so you hear a lot of uh, a lot of emphasis laid on that. So I'll come back to that momentarily. But here's here's what I want to do. Just just kind of three things here. First of all, <laughs> who should be discipled? Who should be discipled? All right, well, here again is the commission, and I've already made the point. I think Jesus is speaking not only to the eleven, although they're certainly there. Verse 16 says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. 
And Jesus came, and, and is that not uh, incredible, by the way? They, they worshipped Him. You expect to see that, because this is right after the resurrection. But then it says, some doubted. Uh, that's, that's another reason, um, because in, in other Gospels, we have other sightings recorded. Like, like Thomas was a doubter, but then you know, Jesus showed him his, his, uh, his hands and his feet and his side, and, and, and Thomas believed and confessed, you know, my Lord and my God. So I, I don't. This is another reason I think it, there, there's there's a hint that there's more people here. That, that probably not. Could be some of the eleven are doubting, but I doubt that, frankly. Um, probably what it's saying is that some of the people that are there are going through what what the eleven did initially. Remember, the women came and said he's risen, and nobody believed. You know, none of them. They're, they they just thought they were telling idle tales. Their words were like idle tales to them. Um, so, in other words, some of these people are probably seeing for the first time. And so they, their reaction is just like the, the, 11, the rea- reaction of the eleven was initially. And uh, then Thomas even took a little more persuasion. But, uh, so, so that's what's going on here. You probably got a crowd and th- they are worshiping him. Presumably, or at least I'm, I'm assuming, the eleven are worship, worshiping him and probably a lot of others. Uh, I would think in particularly the women, if they're present here. But some doubted. So you do have some doubters. And Jesus came uh, and said to them, verse 18, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Now, that's, 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 that's the basis for this command that He's given. He has all authority in heaven and earth. And by the way, um, I think again, just like we were talking about His sonship, um, that has been, uh, he's been vindicated now in the sense that by the resurrection, in, in the sense that all of that is, is, is declared to be true now. What, what I'm saying is this, I, I don't think Jesus is just now receiving all authority, but now, now it is being openly declared through the power of the resurrection and through these appearances, and so it is openly manifest now uh, to those who, who are coming out and seeing him. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, or going, or as you are going, therefore, disciple. Remember, it's a verb, disciple. Of all nations. That is, make disciples of all nations, or disciple all nations. Now, sometimes we joke about the word all Meaning all. Sometimes there's, I think, legitimate theological debate over whether or not the word all means all. Because frankly, my, the position I would take is sometimes it doesn't mean all. When John was baptizing, he says that all Judea came out to be baptized. And then later on, we find out that some of the Pharisees refused to be baptized by John. So all didn't mean all. The first time when it said all Judea, it was just the, the way that, you know, we, we say, boy, I went to a concert last night and the whole city was there. Well, you mean every single person in Shreveport, Bossier area was there? No, it's just, that's just hyperbole. It's the way we talk. And, and I think that's what they did as well sometimes. So, so they say all Judea came out and were baptized by John. Not meaning every single person, but meaning that there was a, there was a great response. Multitudes came out to be baptized. We know for a fact some of them did not. Some of the Pharisees refused his testimony and were not baptized by him. So all doesn't always mean all, but in this case I think it means all. <laughs> in this case it means all. So who should be discipled? Who's the who's the target for us? Do we do we pick do we pick people like us? I, I, I kind of, uh, I know some of you are thinking there's nobody quite like you, or, or you might be thinking that about yourself. There's nobody quite like me. I remember thinking that early on in Christianity, and, and you get some encouragement to think that way. People find out a little bit about your background and this and that, you know, and, and uh, I mean, you know, I, I came, I was just a, a I, I didn't have a good resume. My, I was just a, a honky-tonk singer. 
And so you think, well, you know what? <clears throat> maybe that's who I ought to target. Or maybe, you know, you're, you're middle class. So I'm going to find me a good middle class church. And, or we'll, we'll start a church in a good middle class neighborhood. People I'm comfortable with and we'll try to reach out to them. Or, or maybe, you know, you go by skin color or, or whatever it is. You know, we're good at target groups. I mean, we've got all kinds of hyphenated churches today. Biker churches, cowboy churches, and the list, I guess, goes on and on and on. We've got all kinds of hyphenated churches. And it seems like to me, Jesus is just saying, if they're living and breathing, then that's who I'm sending you to. The all, I think, here means all. And the word nations is the word... Um, ethne is from it's where we get our word ethnos. So you could say it this way, or ethnicity. So you could say it this way um, that, that we're, we are to make disciples of every ethnic group. Now that's not nations, the way we tend to think of nations. How many nations are there? Is there like 150 something or something like that? You're supposed to know that. You're a teacher, okay? All right. <laughs> Uh, I think it's like 150-something nations in existence today. Um, so that's not what Jesus talked about. You know, you go, you go to Germany, and you, you, know, you go to Russia, and you go to wherever. Although, I guess, you know, maybe that would kind of achieve the same thing in the end if you, if you didn't neglect anybody in there. But the idea here is people groups, ethnicities. And you well know that you, you can go to any country. Even the oldest countries with the longest histories, you know, I mean, in other words, they've got a, uh, you know, we're a melting pot here, but you can go in some countries where they've just got a long history of these, this one um, people we would think of, you know, make up a certain nationality. But even in those places, you've got different tribal groups. I mean, you see that all the time in the news where you've got different tribes in Iran. Or, Af- or uh, Afghanistan or somewhere like that, fighting each other. I think that's the idea here. In other words, all tribe. And one reason I say that is because in Revelation, we know that's what the church is made up of, right? Every tribe, kindred, tongue, and nation. I mean, everybody. Nobody's left out there. So that's the idea here. So you go to all peoples. All peoples. So in other words... The church, the, the genuine, authentic, the real, I'm talking about the real body of Christ, is going to be made up of people from every ethnic group across the globe. Some of them not even in existence anymore. I mean, you know, people that were saved, you know, maybe hundreds of years ago or a thousand years ago or whatever, that are in glory. Maybe their tribe doesn't even exist anymore here on earth. Some of them may not be in existence yet. I don't, know, I don't know how long it's going to be before the Lord returns. But I know this. I mean, I think from what Jesus says here and from what we see in the book of Revelation, the church is going to be made up of every ethnic group. It's not that every single person is going to be saved, but somebody from each of those groups or, or multiple people from each of those groups are going to be there. So that's our target group. <laughs> All right? So, when you're dealing with people, if they're, if they're of a different tribe than you, maybe they look like you, but they don't have, they don't have the same uh, genealogy. You know, they're a different tribe. Or if they don't look like you, maybe, maybe they've got a different uh, color skin. Or maybe they... They don't talk right. I mean, you know, I've noticed this. I haven't done a lot of traveling, but I've traveled around the country and people don't talk right in other places. I've noticed that. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe you're kind of middle class or lower middle class or maybe, you know, and they're rich. God just sends somebody rich across your path and you think, well, I don't, they're not, they're out of my league. You see what I'm saying? He's, he's saying all people. In fact, in Mark, it says, just preach the gospel to every creature. 
Now, I don't think dogs and cats are going to be saved, you know, but you, if, maybe you could practice on them. I don't know. But just but preach the gospel to every person. Every living person is our target group. Now, if you really get to thinking about that, um, I mean, I, and I have, I've been thinking about this for some time because here's the deal with that. I, I guess I'm getting ahead of myself, but that, that participle going there. <clears throat> What, is, what does that mean? Jesus says, as you go, make disciples. Well, I would say this. One thing I know for sure it means, it means where you are, while you're doing what you're doing, disciple. Disciple. I don't think it's limited to that. Now, I'm, I'm trying to be clear here. A lot, a lot of times when we see that, again, because the way it's worded in English, we say, go therefore. So we think, okay, what Jesus means, I've got to go somewhere. I've got I to gotta jump in a plane and go somewhere. And I've done a lot of going. Not, not, I haven't, I've never been out of the country. But I've done a lot of going and preaching. And sometimes it was to the neglect of the people all around me. I mean, we were just going and going and going, going and preaching everywhere except for at home, and I, I mean, you know, in the house or in the yard or with the next door neighbor, a lot of times the going is just to the neglect of the people right there at our doorstep. So he definitely means that. As you're going, in other words, as you go through life, as you go about your routine, are you a school teacher? Then as you, as you conduct yourself as a school teacher, are you a lawyer, a banker, a mechanic? As you do your thing, Disciple. Are you a father? Are you a mother? Are you a grandfather, grandmother? As you do that, as you're going, as you're moving through life, going about your business, disciple. Disciple. Whatever it is you do, wherever you are. But I, I, I think, and I think I'm becoming more convinced all the time, that it is not... Uh, I mean, I hate to, to use this language after the past week in the news, but I, my position may be evolving here. Um, um, regarding this, but I'm 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 coming to think more and more that it doesn't just mean where you are, but that there really ought to be an effort to reach all nations. Now, one person's not going to do that, so I mean I'm not going to I'm not going to be able to reach all the nations. You're not going to be able to reach all the nations, but but maybe we we could make conscious effort to really go outside of our own group. Now, the Lord's making this easy in a lot of ways because they keep coming to us. Like just this morning, I had to drive to Bossier. I got to pass a mosque on, on a interstate. And I see, I see more and more um, you know, Hispanic people, more and more Indians, and, and I don't mean Native Americans. I mean people from India. And so, I mean, a lot of them are coming here, and, and that's a great thing in terms of, in terms of preaching the gospel. That's good. They're coming here so we can, we can disciple them. So don't resent that. You know, you think, well, we got this culture war going on. We want to retain the American culture. We don't want people coming in and changing. Listen, that's going to happen. I mean, just, just read a history book. It's, it's always happened. There's, there's n- never been any culture that's been able to, to maintain. That's the way God does it. I mean, that's, God does that. So, let, so let's don't fight it. But not only that, Let's embrace it as Christians because it's an opportunity to disciple. All kinds of people from all kinds of different groups are coming to us. But also, we can go to them. I'm supposed to meet uh, with a man tomorrow morning who's a family, actually, that's on their way down to South America. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to talking to him about what they're going to be doing down there. Um, and uh, so, I mean, there's, so we go as we're going, as we're going about our daily routine, and as we go, as we literally go to other places and try to reach other, um, other people that aren't like us or that just live far away from us. Disciple. Make disciples. You know, I mean, there's, there's a myriad of things you can do, and they're, and they're good things like, like uh, going into places and third world countries and try to help them get good water or try to help them fight preventable diseases. All those things are good, I think. Um, but the main thing that Jesus is saying here is, is not those things, but make disciples. Or you can go in doing those things, and as you do them, as you're going, make disciples. 
The main thing is teach them the gospel. Secondly, keep going like this. We'll have to finish this tonight. And I mean this part of it. I was planning on doing a second part tonight, but um, I'll try to be quicker here because we, we need we do need to wrap it up. Secondly, how are they to be discipled? And I've talked about this before, so there's probably not a, a, a great need to, to belabor it anyway. Um, but here's where the participles come in. So our target group is everybody, all ethnic groups, all peoples. And how are they to be discipled? Well, through going, baptizing, and teaching. In other words, those, those part, participles characterize the discipling. It, it's not telling us um, the means in, in, in the sense that, okay, if, if you baptize them, they're disciples. No, 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 no. It's not, I'm not just saying that. I mean, that's, that's been tried too. It doesn't work. Uh, that's, that's a misunderstanding. It's not saying that. But it's saying that's what's going to characterize your discipling. You've you got to go. You've got to be going. You've got to be going about you know, God's business. You've got to be baptizing because anybody who comes to faith in Christ, um, it, you know, we have command to, from the Lord that they're to be baptized in obedience to Christ's command. So it involves that. And you've got to be teaching. Now, this is the word teaching. As I said, back in... in uh, um, verse 19, uh, some of the translations say, Go therefore and teach, but, but the word there is not the word teaching, it's, it's disciple. It's the verb form of the same word that's used you know, to talk about the disciples, the, the twelve, or, or believers in Christ, disciples. But this word is the word for teaching. You've you got to teach them. Teach them. Now, I'm going to try to be quick here, but I, but I really want, to, I want us to, to get the idea here. This is what I would call biblical evangelism. Evangelism is not getting somebody to a point, you know, whether it be in one conversation or whether it be in one crusade meeting. That may be a form of evangelism where you say, okay, today I set before you life and death. Choose life that you may live. And in that one meeting, you know, you try to get people to make decisions. But again, as I said earlier, I think that's not not the norm. I think that's the exception. In other words, that, that may be that one way, one way that God does it. R.F. Gates that I was talking about earlier, dear friend of ours, gone on to be with the Lord now, um, he was saved um, during a, a Billy Graham meeting in 19... It was either in 1950 or 1951 in Shreveport, uh, whichever year he came here. Um, but when I look at Scripture, what seems to me to be the general rule, the norm, is that there's a lot of teaching going on. And even if you were saved in, in a meeting like that, you've got to go through a lot of teaching. You've got to be discipled. That's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. So, it's not just saying, look, Jesus is Lord, now make a decision. I mean, we got we got to tell them all about, especially nowadays, and even in the South, we got to tell them who this who this Jesus is that we're saying is Lord. I mean, we can't just assume. A lot of people today don't even don't even believe there's a Creator, much less much less a Creator who sent His own Son into the world to die for our sins. They they don't even believe in the reality of sin. So there, there's a lot of teaching that has to go on a lot of times before you can even get them to that point. This is not, I mean, it, it, it may be sort of new for us. I mean, some of us may think, well, back when I was a kid, everybody kind of understood what sin was and this and that. But it hadn't always been that way. I mean, Paul is, Paul is dealing with cultures in the book of Acts, like, much like what we're seeing today. In fact, much worse in some ways. Um, let, let me give you one example real quick of, of what I'm talking about here. This is from Acts 19. And this is where Paul goes into Ephesus. And this was characteristic of Paul. This again is biblical evangelism. Acts 19 verse 8. And Paul is in Ephesus and by the way, he's not exactly they don't exactly roll out the red carpet for Paul here. He he meets a lot of opposition here. This this is a city given to idolatry. 
And verse 8 says, He entered the synagogue for three months. Notice that. Notice that. He didn't, he didn't go in the synagogue one Sabbath day morning, one, one Saturday and say, Okay, here's the deal, y'all. Jesus is Lord. Now, in a minute, we'll get the piano player going and you're going to have to make a decision. These people are pagans. And brothers and sisters, that's what, that's what we're dealing with for the most part today. It's not unlike what Paul is dealing with here. So for three months he does this, right? He's spending some time there. Um, again, verse 8. He entered the synagogue for three months, spoke boldly, reasoning. That word reasoning there, dialogos, it's, it's to dialogue. It's not just, it's not just uh, monologue. It's dialogue. He's, he's not just standing up and preaching a sermon. There's a conversation happening. And that's the one, re- one reason that I try hard to uh, make sure we have opportunities for Q&A. Because church is not all about dialogue. I mean, I mean monologue, yeah. I mean, if I were D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, or, or you know, if I had his, somebody like that's level of gifting, maybe you wouldn't mind sitting there listening to me all the time. I don't know. But you're still not asked to do that. I mean, teaching, learning, it takes place in dialogue. So, so, you know, we try to do both. I think that's scriptural. But what Paul is doing is dialoguing with them, reasoning them, persuading them. Notice that. He's, he's attempting to persuade them to come to faith in Christ. And this, so far, is over a three-month period. It's not a 30-minute argument or presentation. Reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. See what he's doing? He's telling them about the kingdom of God. Over three months. But when some became stubborn, verse 9, continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way. That's talking about Christianity. It's a reference to Christianity. Speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them. That is, he withdrew from the synagogue. He's not leaving town. He's getting out of the synagogue. He withdrew from them and took the disciples with him. Who are the disciples? These are the ones who are coming faith in Christ, who are believing, who are submitting, the one who are receiving His discipline, the ones who are receiving His teaching. He took the disciples with Him, listen to what it says, reasoning, again, dialoguing, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the Word. And brothers and sisters, that's what we're looking for. That's what we're looking for. Even those Jews in the synagogue that rejected, at least they heard. They weren't neglected. They heard. They had the opportunity. And so Paul continued there for two years, two years and three months in Ephesus dialoguing with them, teaching them. So, how are they to be discipled? Through going, baptizing, and teaching. And that is, um, it's not a quick thing. It's, it's, it's often very long. And it's very involved. And it's work. Now, one last thing and we're done. I've already touched on this, so I just want to make a couple of points here. Who should disciple? Who should disciple? Well, my answer to that is all disciples. All disciples. Everybody that is a disciple should be discipling. It's going to play out in different ways. Some some men are, 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 you know... Called a pastor or a church like this in a local setting, maybe here some uh, men and women are going to uh, feel called to go to another land, like this brother that I'm supposed to meet with tomorrow and his family. Um, they're they're from Missouri and and uh, they're getting ready to go. He said, I don't even know where yet, but in South America, moving to South America. Um, some people will disciple. You know, it'll be a grand like Timothy. It'll be a grandmother. Telling her grandchildren about Jesus. That's discipling. 
And, it does, and again, it's not, okay, I'm going to, you know what, next Saturday at 3 o'clock, I'm going to sit them down and tell them about Jesus. No, it's, it's as you're going. In other words, every day, throughout the day, like the Lord's talking about in Deuteronomy 6, you just, you just as you go, as you're in the field, as you're in the house, as you're going out, as you're coming in, you're discipling, you're teaching them, you're telling them. And who's to do that? Every believer. Because it takes that. It takes all these different settings and it takes all these different personalities. Look, my target group is everybody. But, nevertheless, I understand I'm not going to be able to talk to some people as easily as you can. I may target them and I may, I may hit them, I may confront them with the Gospel, but then, you know, I don't know, uh, uh, Brother Ron or, 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 or Brother Dickie comes along and, and, and they start talking to him, and that person goes, Wow. Now, now I can understand. I like what he's saying. And, and, and it'll be that way with different folks. I mean, some people you can talk to better than I can, and, and then vice versa. So it takes everybody. Some people are going to receive better from their mother or their grandmother. I mean, they, you, got to, you need to hear, if you're a parent, whether or not you think your children are receiving it, give it to them. Feed them. But some people are going to receive well from their mother and their grandmother, or maybe their father, and then some people, it's going to take a total stranger, you know, maybe confronting them on the street, saying, hey, if you die today, where are you going to go? Or something like that, you know. Maybe it's going to take a Billy Graham crusade or something. Probably not Billy Graham. I don't know if he's going to do it anymore. But, but it, it may take somebody doing something like that. It's just different. So everybody disciples in their own, in their own uh, sphere and according to their own function and calling. Well, I, I got to stop. So just just this one last thought. I want you to notice, because I, I think um, th- this is kind of going to kind of define who does and who doesn't disciple. That is, verse. Let's real quick. Let's look at verse seventeen again. When they saw him, that is, when they saw Jesus. This is supposed. All of these are supposed to be disciples, right? These are people who who have followed Jesus. These are people who have heard about the resurrection and they come. When they saw Him, they worshipped Him. But some doubted. Now, in the, in the professing church, what the old saints used to call professors, we now, if I, a lot of times if I use that terminology now, you'll think I'm talking about somebody that teaches college. But professors, meaning people who profess to be Christians, among the professing church, I don't think our situation is different than this one right here. Among the professing church, there are worshipers and there are doubters. You say you mean saved and lost? Well, probably, but I'm I'm not even going to go there. I'm just... Among the professing church, professing Christians, there are worshipers and there are doubters. Probably not all lost. Like I said, Thomas was a doubter. Peter was a doubter. Why he started sinking on the at one time. That's why he started sinking. At one time Thomas was a doubter. There are worshipers and there are doubters. What my my point here is this. I don't think the doubters are going to get a lot done. The ones that are going to go and make disciples, ones that are going to obey the command to make disciples, are the worshipers. If if something is not valuable to me, why in the world would I think Somebody else needs to hear about it. Just because we're trying to start a fad? Just because we want to get a trend going or keep a trend going? Just for the sake of maintaining the denomination? Oh man, we've got to reach people! Or for the sake of maintaining the church, you know, feel more bad to churches. We've got to get people in here or we're not going to be able to pay the bills. We've got to get people in here or there may not be a feel more bad to church. Listen, None of that's going to get us moving in the right way. The only way we're going to do genuine 
real biblical evangelism. The only way we're going to target every ethnic group, the only way we're going to have any passion for that, is if we're worshipers of Jesus Christ. And if you can honestly say, oh, Christ, Jesus is all to me. He's my Savior. If you're, if you, if you're honestly awestruck with Him, if He is precious to you, like Peter says, and you really understand the dilemma of those who don't know Him, then you want, you want them to get in on it. If He's precious to you, you want them to know, look, and you won't care what ethnicity they are. You won't care what color their skin is, how much they make. You'll just say, look, you need this Jesus. Who should go? Everybody that names the name of Christ should go. We're all, we're all called to make disciples. Who will go? I would say probably only the worshipers. And there's only one other category, and that's the doubters. The ones who aren't really, really convinced that Jesus is really worth all that. Let's pray. Let's pray. Because I know, I don't, I don't care where we're at, none of us are where we ought to be. So let's pray that God would, God would make us Worshippers, true worshipers, so that we have that heart to give our lives wholly to Him and say, Father, Lord, Thy will be done. And so that we have that kind of heart for other people so that we say, I have this treasure and I want them to have it. There's enough, there's enough to go around. And the Lord takes joy in saving sinners. Hey, they're better off, and He's glorified. It's a win-win situation. Let's be worshipers of Jesus so that we might, for His glory, fulfill His commission. Would you stand, please? Blessing. David Moss, would you mind uh, leading us in a word of prayer and then we'll, we'll be dismissed? This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our desire is to faithfully proclaim the message of salvation which God has provided in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. For more resources and information, please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org. You may use the links there to contact us or write us at Fillmore Baptist Church, 6304 Highway 80, Princeton, Louisiana, 71067.